month, we are starting our new series called Remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. This has really been a topic that has been on our hearts for a while that we feel that we need to talk about. We need to bring it to the family table in a sense, the church family table, to talk about how do we remain in Christ? There's so many people who have gone through trials and tribulations and challenges, but many people don't know how to just be with God, how to be in the presence of the Father through Jesus Christ. And there's something so important to know how to just be with the Father through Jesus Christ. And as we remain in Christ, we actually receive something from the Father because we're remaining in the right place. Now, if you're going through tough times, maybe that forces you to want to be with God or maybe it makes you not spend much time with God. But sometimes there are people who don't really go through many trials and tribulations and their life is just coasting along, but they're not practicing the presence of God. They're not just being in Christ. Now, before Christ went to the cross, he actually decided to tell this picture, paint this picture to his disciples of what it was to remain in him. And so we're going to be reading from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. And it says this, this is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now watch how many times he says the word remain. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because servants, a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And the appointed, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thanks be to God for his word this morning. Today we're talking about what it is to remain in Christ. And here's Jesus using this example of a vine. Now, 
I don't know if you've got vines in your garden that grow lovely grapes. I don't think there's probably anyone here that grows, anyone growing grapes, anyone? No. So none of us really know what this is like because we're not really vine growers or vine dressers. We've not really seen vines that often unless you go off to California and go to um, see the wine growing country out there. But there are actually two types of vines and I bet you one of these vines you have in your garden. There are two types of vine. There's an invasive vine and a productive vine. Now, there's huge problems of this, these invasive vines all across the south of America, especially in the Smoky Mountains. I don't know if you've been up there. And you've got these beautiful forests. And now they're having problems with these invasive vines that are starting to grow up over the trees and they're choking out the trees. I actually had this huge problem in my garden too. I've got all these vines that keep growing in my garden, wanted to climb these trees and I'm constantly ripping them down, trying to kill them, trying to get rid of them. And you get sick and tired of them. It wears you down. Uh, Some people would just say, well, why don't you just spray something on them and kill them? You can't because they're actually deep-rooted and it's the roots that you actually have to get out in order to stop these vines growing. So you can kill the top of them. That's wonderful. But the roots are so deep, they just slowly keep coming back and then they'll grow up over your bushes, over your plants, over your trees, and they start choking everything out. Does anyone have these types of vines in their garden? Oh, there's a lot of like, I'm having the exact same problem. What a pain these things are. But there's actually productive vines as well. And the Middle East actually has a lot of these vines. If you go to California, you go to south of Spain or or Italy, you'll see these beautiful vineyards over rolling hills. And these vines are beautiful vines that are producing these beautiful grapes. And if you read even in the Old Testament, it talks about how the promised land was full of these beautiful grape-producing, fruit-producing vines. In fact, when the Israelites were in the Old Testament and they had come out of Egypt and let my people go and Ben-Hur had had taken them out of of, of Egypt and they went into the wilderness and they spent 40 years there. They had sent 12 spies over and two spies came back and in order to show the fruitfulness of the land and how wonderful the land is, they brought back these huge clusters of grapes. And even today, they have it on their coins in Israel. They even have it on symbolism uh, around their, their politics as well of the fruitfulness of God's goodness in their lives. Grapes that come from these productive vines. Fruit is a sign of goodness. Now Jesus, he says, he is the vine and we are the branches. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. The true vine. He's not an invasive vine. He's not a vine that is trying to choke you out. He's not a vine that is putting demands on you, that is crushing you and taking the life out of you. He is a true vine who's trying to bring fruitfulness to your life. That's what Jesus said. And so therefore, if we are the branches, how do we receive from God? How do we actually receive everything that Jesus wants to give us? Everything that the gardener, the father, is planning to give us through Christ. Well, Jesus shows us two facts when he describes the branches' relationship with the vine. Here's the two facts. In John chapter 15, verse 2, it says that the father, the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit. Now, if you're a follower of Christ and you're bearing fruit in your own life, in your family, in your community, in your church, wherever it is, if you are bearing fruit, he is going to prune you. And then he continues on, so that it will be even more fruitful. There are two things that Jesus is pointing out here is pruning and productivity. Pruning and productivity. 
Now, the word prune is not something that people enjoy in their lives. When you're being cut back, things are being taken out of you. You're being restricted in your life. You're being challenged physically, emotionally, uh, relationally, mentally, spiritually. Whichever way it is, you're being pruned back. Now, the word prune also means to clean or to purge. Now, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, you probably heard of the term purgatory. And purgatory is a is an idea that they have that when you die, if you haven't done enough to make yourself holy, well, you go into this, this other land or this other place before you get to heaven called purgatory where you're meant to be purged of all your sins and you're meant to be cleaned up before you go to heaven. I don't see any evidence for that in Scripture. I, do, I just don't, I don't agree with that theology. But I do see the evidence for it in this lifetime. Here's Jesus talking about his disciples, talking to his disciples and saying, you're going to go through difficult times. And when you go through difficult times, you must remember to remain in me. Because when you remain in me, you will find fruitfulness. But as you're going towards fruitfulness, God the Father will actually prune you. He will cut things back in your life. Now, I think that in modern Christianity, we actually suffer or struggle with the idea of suffering, with the idea of being pruned by God. In fact, there are many churches out there that will actually tell you that everything, when you come to Christ, everything will be wonderful. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and everything will be perfect. And I do believe that God wants to give us these things. But there is a journey that we must take in order to become healthy, wealthy, and wise, and that is the journey of suffering. The journey of being pruned back. We must go through struggles. Suffering sometimes, though, feels so unfair. Why should we go through suffering like death or persecution or sickness or temptation or divorce or rejection? I was having a very uh, a, a long conversation with a really precious couple this past weekend who was talking about, was telling me about how they had lost their daughter, 21-year-old daughter, who died this summer. And it was just been heartbreaking. And as many of you can imagine, the heartbreak that must come with that, it just feels like it's so unfair. Why should that happen? It might be, seem like it's senseless that this type of thing should happen, but God will use all suffering to purify us. It doesn't mean that necessarily God is impugning or, 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 or creating these situations where all bad things that happen in our lives is simply because God made those happen. It's simply this. I believe that whatever happens to us in our life, God will use for the good of those that love him. He will use it as a pruning in order to make us more like him. Why? Why would he do this? Why would he let us go through difficult times? Because it would make us more fruitful. It makes us more productive. Pruning is connected to productivity. Fruitfulness is something that God demands more fruit from us. That doesn't mean that he's a taskmaster. It does mean, though, that he knows that we're designed to do greater things. We're designed to be able to, be able to handle greater things. We're designed to be able to carry more of Jesus within us. Now, if you've got a child who's two years old, that child is really cute when it's running around in its diaper, screaming its head off. But as soon as that two-year-old turns 22 years old, seeing your child run around in a diaper, screaming its head off, is no longer cute, right? God wants us to grow up and to grow on. And to grow up and to grow on, we must be pruned. We must be uh, uh, cut back. We must go through difficult times. What I've learned about pruning is this. The gardener is never closer to the vine than when he is pruning it. Let me say it again. 
The gardener is never closer to the vine than when he is pruning it because he loves the vine. He wants fruitfulness to come from this. He wants to enjoy that fruitfulness. He even wants you to enjoy that fruitfulness. And so as Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he was using this word remain. But what does it mean to remain? In John 15, 4, it says, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 34 times he uses the word remain. Now here's some interesting facts about the vine branches. First one is this. They can look healthy because of their leafiness, but it doesn't actually mean they're fruitful. You can have vines that actually grow and they look like they're fruitful, they look like they're healthy and they're green and they have lots of leaves on them, but they never grow fruit. What they're doing is taking up space and energy from the body of the vine. And so the vine dresser comes along, the gardener, and he cuts it back. The second interesting fact is the wood of the vine is useless by itself. It can't build anything with it because it's too bendy and flexible. You can't make furniture with it. You can't even use it to burn. Well, you can burn it, but it's not useful burning wood for keeping the, the, the house warm or for cooking with because it burns up too fast. It's very useless wood unless it's working on the one thing it's been designed for, and that is fruitfulness. The third interesting fact that I found out about vines is that you can take a clipping from a vine and replant it and put it into the ground, but it will never bear fruit. Why? Because the branches always depend on the vine itself for the life-giving sap in order to become fruitfulness. This is why Jesus said, remain in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. He didn't say the branch can't live by itself. It can't be replanted. He's saying it can't bear fruit by itself. Now, you might walk around in life and I have children, I, I get an education, I have wealth, I have all these things. I don't have Jesus in my life. That's true. You might have good things in your life, but it doesn't mean that they have any eternal purpose. It doesn't mean that you're living your life on purpose the way that God has actually designed you to live out your life. Remaining in the vine is what gives us the life-giving sap to be fruitful. Well, what does it mean then to remain? Well, most of us probably don't quite, I, you know, when I'm talking about vines and stuff, I've researched this stuff, but I don't really know anything about vines. But what I do know is about something that I felt God was reminding me of in the last few months. And it was something that used to happen to me every day when I got up as a child. Whenever I get up, I would get dressed for school. I would smell to see, if, oh, sorry. I would smell to see if I stunk or something like that. I'd wash my face and if I didn't stink, we're all good. We put the clothes on. If I did stink, you take a shower because that's what young boys do. Then I'd go downstairs into the kitchen and I'd see my dad sitting there. And every morning my father would be sitting there with a red pot of tea, just waiting for anyone who wanted to come and receive it. He'd always have a stack of toast and a red pot of tea. And when I would go in, we would greet each other. But when we were there, all I would be doing is refreshing myself. My father was there to refresh me and to make me ready for the day. He was always there to give me provision and presence, the presence and the provision of himself. You see, I believe that remaining is all about the provision and the presence of the Father. Being with him was to experience the provision and the presence of the Father. And what I learned from this was that when I was in the presence of God, I would receive something from him. 
Now, the interesting thing is, whenever I'm speaking with people and they're going through difficult times and they're going tri through trials and tribulations, I'd often ask them, how do you spend time with the Father? How do you spend time with God? And it's interesting what people will say about how they spend time with God. And what I found is that oftentimes people don't know how to spend time with the Father because they never really learned it from their own parents. You see, if imagine if I was a child and my dad was there at the kitchen table and I would come in and go, is it okay if I, can I, is, am I allowed to come in again? Imagine what the father would say. What do you mean? I'm here every morning. I want you to come to breakfast. But I, I don't know if I'm allowed to come in. If I had that type of intimidation. Or maybe I'd be the type of child that gets up in the morning and I just walk straight by the father and I just go about the business. Many of us think probably do that. We get up in the morning. The first thing we do is we check our email. We check our smartphone. We check the news. We check everything else, but we don't check in with the father. We get about the business of a job that we've got in hand. We get our children ready, get them off. And then we get to the end of the day and go, I'm so exhausted. That's true. It's exhausting trying to do all the things that you're meant to do. But we actually walk right past the father, even though he has been there waiting and ready to refresh you just with a pot of tea ready to give you something in your life that could help you to overcome the day and the challenges that are there before you. Or maybe you're the type of person who gets up and you start groveling to try and get in. Well, Father, can I come in? I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'm ready to come in. I don't know if you know about the sins that I did yesterday. And maybe we come in covering our face and covering everything else around us and we're not willing to just be a child and just be vulnerable before our Father because we feel worthless before our Father. So you know what? Maybe I just won't spend time with God because I feel so guilty because he's just gonna see all the things in my heart. But the Father wants to be with you. The Father knows that you just being in his presence will actually give you the healing and the freedom that you need in your heart. Or maybe you're the type of person that comes in, you feel like you have to explain everything and you have to talk and constantly talk and constantly talk. And maybe you need to, in the name of Jesus, shut your cake hole and just be with the Father. Just be with them. Or maybe you're the person who has a list of asks. I need this and I need that. And God, and all you're doing is treating God like a, a Santa Claus list of all the things you really want. Now, don't get me wrong. He just said, as we read earlier on, if you ask for whatever you want, the Father wants to give it to you because it's to his glory. But if you're only treating him as a source, like a Walmart of a list of things that you want, you'll find you're not getting what you need. Because it's not the things that you think that you need in your life that you need. It's the presence of the Father. This is why we remain in Christ. And what I've learned about God's provision is this, is that he, my father, my dad would always be there with a red pot of tea and I take it for granted. I've taken it for granted of just being with my dad. And I wonder how many of us take it for granted of just being with God every day. You see, I believe that his presence gives us many things. And the three things that I see that I believe that I receive from my Father and that we receive from Heavenly Father is our peace, our security, and our well-being. You see, peace says, I'm okay. Everything's okay. Security says, I'm safe. And well-being says, this is good. Because you might be okay with God. You may have some sort of peace, but you don't know if it's, everything's going to be okay. You don't have that confidence in the faith. But when you're with the Father, you get this peace that is like sap from the vine coming through Christ and into you and filling up your heart, your soul, and your mind. 
And when you don't have his presence, you don't have his peace. You don't have the provision of everything you need. You don't have peace. You don't have security. You don't have well-being. And it makes you exhausted. How many of you have experienced exhaustion? I'm just exhausted. I just, I'm gonna deal with things in my family. I'm dealing with things in my own heart. I'm dealing with the school. I'm dealing with my, my boss and I'm dealing with this. And you're just exhausted at the end of the day. When branches are stressed and weathered, they don't produce fruit. Now, wait a second. You think, wait, wait a second. Peter, you just said earlier on that when God allows suffering in our lives, somehow that seems to bring us fruit. No, God uses suffering to prune us. The pruning must come, though, at the exchange of his strength. The point is just not to cut you back or to make you go through suffering. The point is that you become filled with the things that you need so that you can become full of fruitfulness. Look at this. Even Paul talked about it in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not through the suffering, not through the trials and tribulations. Those are not the things, oh, it's the, you know, when the tough gets going, the, when, the, when the things get tough, the tough get going, which, whatever, whatever that phrase is. We all, we all think that it's toughness and difficult times. That's what will make us strong. It's not. It's being in the vine. It's being in Christ that makes us stronger. And I wonder that when, when Jesus was telling the story to his disciples about how the branches interact with the vine, I wonder if he was thinking about Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, and it says this, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait, wait means to remain. It means to be still. It means to be expectant, to remain, to be in one place. Those who are expectant of the Lord, who are remaining in him, shall renew their strength. The word renew means exchange. They will exchange whatever junk that they've got, putting it at the table and saying, Father, I can't carry this anymore. And he goes, come in, son. Come in, son. I've got something else for you. I've got some peace. I've got some confidence for you. I'm going to take some time. Let's just sit and be together right now. Let's just wait. Let's just be together. And you're refreshed. You're filled. You believe once again that your dad is actually in control and he knows what's going on. That he hasn't abandoned you. That he hasn't left you. He hasn't forgotten you but he's always there waiting for you to give you the faith, the peace, the healing that you need every day. And through Christ, we remain in him so that we might be filled up. The context of this parable is quite interesting because it was when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and he was about to go to the garden of Gethsemane where he would be stressed beyond belief of the trials and tribulations that he was about to be faced with when he was going to go to the cross. And he decided to teach his disciples this. I'm going to remind you of something, that you must remember to remain in everything I've taught you. Remain in me so that you might be able to overcome the world and the trials and tribulations that will come your way. In, chapter, in Mark chapter 14, verse 22, he said this. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And when he had given thanks, he prayed to the Father, he given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this, this is my body. 
Take something from me and put it into yourself. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said. And this morning, we have a small cup here. And I want us to take some communion together right now to remember what it is to remain in Christ, to remember what it is that he has done for us that we might be now connected to the life-giving presence of our Father. And we take this little wafer at the top. Father in heaven, we want to thank you, Father, that your Son was given to us that your son is the one who physically came to be like us. Your son was the one who physically came to show us how to walk with you, how to remain in you. And so through Jesus, through his body, we believe that we are healed. We believe that our mind is at peace. We believe that our heart is sustained. We believe that we are not crushed, not forsaken. We believe that we are healed because of what Jesus gave through his body. So if there's anyone here who doesn't have uh, one of these, uh, just put your hand up and someone will be here to give you one. But Father, we firmly believe that as we take this this morning, we believe that we receive from you all the healing that we need, all the peace that we need. Help us to learn how to remain in you. We ask this in your son's name. Let's take his body. as you wrangle this cup open. (laughs) Jesus, give me strength. This is government plastic. There we go. We take this juice, oh Father, as a reminder to remember what your son has given us. That his body is where we remain in him. But the blood that came from Jesus that was died on the cross is the life-giving blood like the sap is from the vine to the branch. Is the life-giving blood that is an exchange of his holiness for our sin, for his holiness for our weaknesses, his holiness for our trials and tribulations and we lay them all down at his feet. And we thank you, Father, that you've allowed us to be a part of your family simply because your blood was given to us, a covenant, a promise that you would be there forever for us. Just like my dad was every morning, we know that you're the eternal father that will be there for us forever and ever, simply because of what your son has done for us. And we receive the body of the blood of Christ. Let's stand this morning as we end our service. I pray that each and every one of you will know how to remain in Christ. That each and every one of you will know how to find that life-giving peace of just spending time in the presence of Jesus. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would find our, our, our red teapot, would find our table to sit with you to find our place every day that we can become restored and refreshed in your presence. Because in your presence is all the provision that we ever need. Father, I pray that you'd fill up every person this morning, that they would know that once again, 
that you are in charge and that there is nothing that can overcome you. We'll just take a few seconds just to be silent before him. Thank you, Father, for your Son. We pray for your Spirit to fill us again in your precious Son's name. And all God's people said, Amen. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.